Welcome to this episode of the award-winning Best of the Left podcast. This is a sample of our recent bonus episode. Every couple of weeks or so, our crew of researchers, Amanda and myself, get together for a roundtable discussion. So here's a few minutes for free so you can see what all the fuss is about. So Jackman had this article, it's, the headline is, you can have billionaires or you can have democracy. But it's really, it's not necessarily an article, it's an interview with a inequality expert named Chuck Collins. And he worked on a new report from the Institute for Policy Studies. And the report is, in summary, <laughs> it is an excellent reminder that even though the Bezos of the world and the Bransons and the Musks get a lot of attention and vitriol, justifiable vitriol, in my opinion, thrown at them, there is a giant but quiet ruling class that has basically made it their life's mission to hoard their wealth and basically carve politics to their liking and they're winning. And this is the hereditary wealthy. These are the second, third, fourth generations of wealthy families. This is quote unquote old money at this point. And one of the reasons why they're more quiet, there's no figurehead. There are enough children that the, the money gets sort of diffused a little bit. So none of them are like the richest person in the world. Yeah. You probably don't know their names. I mean, that's the difference, right? Yeah. Some of the names maybe because their families might be involved enough or have a hospital named after them or whatever, you might know it. But mostly you're not going to know who these people are unless you're in that circle. God help you if you are. <laughs> and And they have, as the descendants of, they don't, I'm speculating a little bit. They don't have like goals or ambitions or anything like that. And so seemingly, once you have a lot of money, your only goal becomes keeping it and building it. Mm -hmm. And the best investment you can possibly make as an ultra wealthy person is not in some new innovative business. It's in purchasing the government to construct the rules of society so that you get to keep more of your money without having to pay it in taxes or fund benefits for the rest of society yeah. or anything like that. What this report and the the guy that they interviewed who worked on it says is that this is the new feudalism, that we are literally at a point where so much wealth has been concentrated amongst a certain group and crumbs for everyone else that we are living in the definition of a feudalist society. We just don't call it that. And and this sort of harkens back to there's like a pivot in the 80s under Reagan and all of that. And we had this massive shift in tax policy and other supporting policies that that helped put us on this trajectory. And when I think of that, I think of it in terms of we used to tax the rich a lot and now we don't. And so now we're at a different status quo than we used to be like the spread of wealth is different but it's like the human mind isn't meant to think in geometric terms you know like we just can't think of exponential growth and that is what is continuing to happen Mm -hmm. the longer time goes by this hoard of wealth 
that is tens or hundreds of billions of dollars per family, totaling definitely more than a trillion, but probably several trillion just in the 50 richest families in America. If you let that go for another hundred years, that's not just maintaining a similar level of extreme wealth inequality is like getting so much bigger that it's hard to comprehend. Yeah. And what they point out in the article is, so in in the early 80s, like 1983, these are families who were already billionaires. And their wealth has increased 900 times that in the years since. (laughs) So it's like hard. And of course, they mentioned it's not like they're just sitting in a Bank of America account. These people have have teams of people who are working to make sure their money is in offshore accounts and hidden elsewhere. And they know tricks and tools that nobody who's an average person would ever hear about or know about. And they can hire the, the big deal money managers to make all of this happen. One specific example, just so we can picture this is the Mars candy family, like just the family that owns that, that business has seen their wealth increase by 3,500% since 1983. (laughs) It's like such big numbers. It's hard to even, I can't, it just makes me laugh. (laughs) Speaking of big numbers, I have to do an instant fact check because this is one of my pet peeves of statistics. Amanda, you said that these people had their wealth grow 900 times and that's not true. It grew 900%. Sorry, I wasn't reading from the article at that point. Yes. No, I, 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 no, I understand. And that, that's just one of those things where if you want to make it sound really big, you say hundreds of percent. And if you want to make it sound smaller, you say number of times. And it means the same thing, but it confuses the hell out of people. So anyway. I had no bad intentions there, just so we're No, clear. of course. No, no, no. No, I mean, the um, article did. The article yeah. wanted to make it sound big, so they said percent, but it sticks in your mind like, oh, this is like 900 times, and oh, okay. people All get right. confused. I wasn't blaming you. That's just- I, I don't have it up right now, but I, I believe you. But yeah, just to go, go back to the Mars Candy family for a second. So 3,500% since 1983, from an in- inflation-adjusted $2.6 billion to $94 billion in 2020. And that family, obviously, as all these families do, they're spending millions and millions to lobby and to change the game because that's totally worth it for them. That's like a great little piddlance of an investment. Yeah. Do away with inheritance taxes, et cetera, estate taxes. So that's the the basic construct of the article. <laughs> Just a nice little reminder. I remember having a conversation with someone and they were trying to tell me about Illuminati, right? <laughs> I know. I promise I have a point. <laughs> so we're talking about Illuminati and everybody throws out these like celebrity names. Mm. And what I can't help thinking is that there's like this conspiratorial theory that has you thinking that Jay-Z and Beyonce are running the world. Meanwhile, right in front of your eyes, you see this wealth concentration, people who are actively influencing politics, who are changing laws to benefit themselves to accumulate more wealth. And celebrities have little money compared to the wealth that we're talking about now. Do they have more wealth than the average person? Of course. But do Jay-Z and Beyonce have that kind of generational wealth? Mm -hmm. At least not at this point. Yeah, like Blue Ivy is going to do well. (laughs) Yeah, of course. But it's wild to me that people cling to these conspiracies when it's you don't need a conspiracy. It it is right here. We can see that information. 
they have to make up a boogeyman that they know when in reality there are all these boogeymen that they don't know that are actually pulling the strings behind the scenes. It's too bad. All of our energy is redirected to the wrong place. 100%. So what I was thinking when we were going through this is that we've talked about this issue several different ways, several different times. And like Amanda said, this is a a class war that we're losing or honestly may have lost. Because if we try to just go just at, I don't know, attack the rich or something, the, the resources they have are at this point, functionally infinite. So we don't have the resources to fight back. What we have to do is find a way to change their motivations. Like the only game they seem to want to play is build their wealth. If you could find a way to change their motivations to build infrastructure and build a society that that they actually want to live in and be a part of, that seems to be like the only way forward because you're not going to shame a billionaire that you never get to see. Like all these people, they're not going to McDonald's. They're not going to the grocery store. You're not going to run into them and have a conversation with them. So society-wide, we have to find some way to make it seem like their motivations and, and our motivations are connected because ultimately they are. Like we still live on the same planet. We still live in the same countries. We still live and use the same resources. They just get to use infinitely more of the resources than we do. But in the meantime, they could not try to destroy the planet. They could not ignore all the issues that we're all suffering through. So how we get there, that that's what I've been thinking about lately. Like how do we change their motivations? Because we can talk about how out of whack it is forever. And it does start to get, starts to get depressing, but What's the positive steps we could start taking to actually change this? And I definitely agree with you because like in the article, it points out that they have entire investment teams. So they're investing in things like fossil fuels. They're investing in defense. They're investing in all of these things which lead our societies to wreck havoc that have devastation and everything like that. But they can't even see how that affects them. They don't make the causation. They are trying to sustain their wealth. So there's not a moment where they're having this aha moment where it's right in front of you. Everybody is experiencing climate change. And yes, if you have more money, you have better resources to like shield yourself from some of the effects. But you're living in that world. You do have to interact with people. You're dependent on them to some degree. And also having money doesn't make you exempt from mental health challenges, from like all these other societal unhappiness, feeling isolated. So I definitely agree with you, but how you get through, I don't know, because the problem with it is the system. So if there's one family that decides, no, we're not, we're done with this bullshit. We're going to be conscientious. We're going to invest. There will be someone else who's willing to take their spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're jumping to the solution a little faster than I thought we would, but I'm pretty sure the answer is having everyone take mushrooms, right? (laughs) (laughs) And feel connected and one with the world. Yeah. Amanda and I just watched, what is it? Fantastic Fungi. (laughs) On on Netflix. And the obvious conclusion to save the world is everyone gets just a little bit high on mushrooms (laughs) for a little while. You don't have to take it that often and reconnect with... 
the trees <laughs> and nature. And I mean, like the, the, those people who were taking mushrooms, they're basically like to say they're excited to die is probably premature. Yeah. That's- but they're like, totally on board that is it for today's free sample paying members are who make this entire show possible and so these bonus episodes and the bonus clips that go in our regular episodes are all just to say thanks to them for their support and we've been in a drought of advertisements on the show for a while now which means we are all the more grateful for every single member who signs up if you would like to be our newest member you can sign up at bestoftheleft.com support or from right inside the Apple Podcast app. If you can't afford a membership, I offer financial hardship memberships. Just drop me an email and we'll get you all set up. As always, thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Mm-hmm.